Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, next up for the Green Bay Packers is the New York Giants on Sunday. Now, just a bit of a programming note. Because it's Thanksgiving week, our beloved producer, Matt Arvin, affectionately known as Marvin, he will be off with his family for the long weekend. Good for him. And because of that, we won't have shows this week on Thursday and Friday. So today, we need to sort of combine our Tuesday-Wednesday shows, and then tomorrow we'll combine our Thursday-Friday shows and call it an early wrap on the week from this desk. So I want to first go to a quick update with regards to the Packers because we did mention on yesterday's show that Brian Balaga had left the game against the 49ers, obviously with a knee injury. Matt LaFleur did not provide an update for the media as to where that injury stands, but it sounds like he's leaving the possibilities open as to how the Packers might compensate for that injury if Balaga has to miss some time. Was that your read on the situation? Yeah, they're keeping everything on the table right now. Uh, Alex Light was the guy that came in, the second-year player out of Richmond. He's you know, still yet to make an NFL start. So that is obviously one potential avenue they could go down and, and Lafleur also said if they had a full week of preparation if Balaga couldn't go that light would be better for it would be ready for this task but you know they could shuffle the deck too yeah. and that's something that Mike McCarthy did early on in his tenure I think back to you know when TJ Lang would bump out and play right tackle moving from the guard position you have a guy in Billy Turner that can play multiple positions you have a guy in Lucas Patrick who has six NFL starts played in 35 NFL games on his resume that could potentially slide in at right guard. So there's a lot of different, you know, variations of this offensive line that could go with. The big thing that LaFleur discussed, though, is they want to get their best five out there. If Balaga isn't healthy and isn't prepared, isn't ready to be, you know, cleared to, to be out there against the Giants. Yeah, and I think the other message, at least the other message that I took from Matt LaFleur's Monday press conference was that uh, it's on everybody on this Packers team, players, coaches, everyone, to own what happened, to take their part in ownership in the disaster in San Francisco. But there's also a heck of a lot of confidence within the walls of that locker room, within the walls of those coaches' offices, that, that the right people are here to turn this thing around. This is The Packers themselves do not believe this is suddenly going to spark some losing streak here. They believe in themselves. They believe in what they're doing, and uh, um, and they're confident that they're going to turn this thing back around quickly. What's been really neat to see over the course of a season, now we're almost into December, is uh, the maturation of Matt LaFleur just at the podium and yeah. doing these news conferences. To be I, honest with you. I totally agree with you. I felt like that was one of his best press conferences he's had as the Packers head coach, and certainly you don't want to be up there having to discuss what happened in a loss, but the way he handled it, and you know, he since the very beginning, Matt LaFleur is always the first one to point his finger back at himself. Yep. and his coaching staff, but he was honest. You know, J.K. Scott is struggling right now. There, there's been some issues there with the punt unit they have to get straightened out. Yeah. But he was very quick to say that he said to Scott, to his face, I believe in you. We believe in you because the proof is there. You have done it in this league. Right. And that was just one example of many that he had throughout that news conference, whether it was offense, defense, otherwise – they have to look inward. I put that as my inbox title for mm -hmm. today. You have to look inward. You have to find answers because this isn't about winning these next few games. The Packers should win these next few games. It's about being better now for a potential playoff run. Yeah, and as I wrote in my story late on Monday from that press conference, 
about the criticism being just as strong as the confidence uh, that the Packers have here. The words that he said to J.K. Scott, I think, reflect how he feels right. about the entire team. Hey, we've done it. We know we, we know we can do it, so let's, uh, let's put in the work. I, one of my favorite lines from that press conference, he, he was asked, okay, so how do you get this thing turned around? And he just said, the only way I know how to do it is to go back to work day yeah. by day. And, and, it, and it's the cliche. It's one day at a time. It's one practice at a time. It's one game planning session at a time, whatever the, whatever the case might be. Whatever your job, whatever your part is in this thing, it's just about going back to work. And you don't completely forget about a disaster like what happened in San Francisco, but you don't dwell on it at right. the same time. And I think there's, there's a fine line that athletes at this level, professional athletes in particular, and coaches always have to walk that you have to learn from the past but you can't let it bog you down at the same time. And I think that's the line the Packers are, are planning to walk this week. That line that LaFleur said reminded me of something that Jordy Nelson always used to say. And I know there are members of the media that would get kind of annoyed by it <laughs> in saying that. But you know what, Mike? I wrote this also in Inbox for Tuesday. There isn't a magic pill here. No. You can't just go and sign a free agent or trade for a player and then, okay, all your problems are solved. No, improvement comes from within because this is, yes, it's it's November 26th as we tape this show. The first day of the offseason program, I think, was April 18th. That's seven months that you've been working with the core unit of this team. Yeah. That's how you win in this league. You win with that unit. And I actually, this was another thing I went off on in Inbox. This is just becoming Packers inbox. But <laughs> it was somebody mentioning, you know, the Packers didn't make a move for a receiver at the trading deadline. They didn't get A.J. Green. A.J. Green still has yet to play. Right. They didn't get Muhammad Sanu. Muhammad Sanu has 108 receiving yards in three games. He was held without a catch last week against Dallas. They, they, well, you know, they, they didn't get Emmanuel Sanders. He torched the team. He had one catch for 15 yards in that game. You have to be able to find improvement from your players, from your locker room, and yeah. that is how you're going to beat the Giants. That's how you're going to beat Washington. That's how you're going to beat the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately where you have to be going into that game against Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. Well, next up is the New York Giants. That is the next one on the schedule. The Packers traveling to the opposite coast, going east this weekend for a 1 o'clock Eastern noon central time kickoff. The first road game of the season in the early television window if you can if you can believe that it's all, all the way until Thanksgiving weekend before the Packers play a road game in the uh, in the first TV window. And this is the one I would have liked to have been at night. <laughs> I've only been to New York twice, Mike. I want yeah, to actually you want, you want to gallivant around Central Park and everything. <laughs> Every right? the three this is a side note but all three games that I've covered where the Packers have played the Giants or the Jets have been noon or 1 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time starts. What's well, up with that? So it goes. I feel like I've spent like three years of my life in San Francisco, but I mean like New York. Yeah. Okay. But no, this, this is, it's, it, it is, it's nice to be able to get on a somewhat normal schedule again. It's yeah. Been we're going to get, time. we're going to get home after the game at, at a, like a normal time, at least from a, from a work perspective. What a so, win. Yeah. There what we a, go. Well, awesome. the giants, a team that is definitely in a rebuild mode. They are struggling. They are two and nine. They actually started the season two and two, and they've lost seven consecutive games. Offensively, they're building around their first-round draft picks from the last two years, and that is running back Saquon Barkley out of Penn State and quarterback Daniel Jones out of Duke. Now Barkley was injured earlier in the year, so he doesn't really have the um, the full slate of games in terms of his statistics this year, but. 
That being said, it's still surprising that a running back of his talent and his caliber only has two rushing touchdowns this year. The Giants deciding after just a couple of games this year to move on from Eli Manning and to throw the rookie Daniel Jones, the number six overall pick in the draft, they decided to throw him into the fire in September and move on to the future sooner than some people were predicting. And, uh, um, you know, typical of a rookie quarterback, Jones has had his ups and downs. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is the bright spot for them, though. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Daniel Jones, the way he's played this year, has shown people, okay, maybe it wasn't a total reach to go up and get this guy. Now, that being said, he's made mistakes. And he's made mistakes from the very moment that he replaced Eli Manning. He has 17 touchdowns. He has eight uh, interceptions. Thrown for around 2,100 yards, 62.5% clip fine 14 fumbles 10 lost and if you look at the takeaway margins the turnover differential that's where the Giants have lost a lot of games and let's be honest Mike I mean the Giants are dangerous they played Chicago very tough last week but there is a dearth of talent with this roster Cody Lattimore who was also drafted in that same draft that the same second round is Devontae Adams. He started nine games this year. He has 180 receiving yards. Yeah. I mean, Evan Ingram right now has been dealing with the injuries. He's their probably their best outside skill position player that isn't Saquon Barkley. And even Saquon Barkley has not really been himself here over the last three, four weeks. Right. He, you know, there's even these conversations, these stories that I saw that, hey, you know, maybe they consider shutting him down, you know, with the way things have gone this year and the ankle injury and everything like that and just the lack of production and where the season is headed for the Giants. Golden Tate is in the concussion protocol. Yeah. You you see on the other side of the ball, Jabril Peppers, you know, dealing with that back injury, that transverse process injury that you've heard about the last few years. They're a hurting unit. And the Packers, you, you, you cannot take them lightly. You have to take them 100% serious. But let's be honest, it's a rookie quarterback and there's a lot of questions. The offensive line has been playing through some things. they got to take care of business against this group. Yeah, absolutely. The Packers do need to take care of business. You mentioned they are, they are banged up a little bit. When I look at the defensive side of the ball, what jumps out at me is that during the seven-game losing streak that the Giants are on, only once in those seven games, and it was last week against the Bears, only once have they allowed fewer than 27 points yeah. to the opposition. I mean, teams are putting up big scoring numbers against this defensive unit and it's starting quickly in games Wes you look at the quarter by quarter breakdown for the Giants they've been outscored 81 to 27 in the first quarter of games you and I have been talking all you know all the time about obviously the Packers wanting to get out to a fast start and I know we were talking yesterday about being able to win a game on the road maybe when things don't start right. out all that well and and you know still finding a way but just based on this particular opponent and how teams have beaten the Giants consistently this year, you have to get out to a fast start and make that rookie quarterback play from behind. Yeah, and you need to be able to, to sink your teeth into this defense and, and get the yards that have been out there so far this season, especially if Peppers doesn't play. Peppers has been arguably their best defensive player this season. I mean, if you if you really break it down, I mean, he's made some big plays at the safety position. Janoris Jenkins is a guy I really respect at cornerback. Marcus Golden has seven and a half sacks, but outside of that... Yeah, Janoris Jenkins has four interceptions. Yeah. He's certainly been a, a playmaker for them in the back end as well. But, but they uh, have ten interceptions as a total, you know, and, and four of those belong to Jenkins, two of them to Ryan Connolly, and then Jabril Peppers has one of them. So, I mean, it's just it's one of these deals where you look at where season is headed for the Giants and being on the skid that they're on, you, this is why you can't have a letdown. And it's why the Packers had to make sure they get their bodies right because... 
this is a game you have to scheme, you have to prepare, you have to plan for the Giants playing their very best. And Lafleur said it himself, standing at the podium, you can't take them lightly. You saw what happened last week with the with the Bears and how close that game was. At the same time, that was a 19 to 14 game in which the Bears and you know Mitchell Trubisky have been working through some things and they haven't been able to find their running game. Packers are a different breed. They're eight and three. They have more wins right now, or just as many wins as the next three opponents that they're going to face combined. Yeah. It starts with the Giants. You have to be able to get that W. Yeah, absolutely. Well, looking at the bigger picture here for the Packers, I know we talked about it a little bit little bit yesterday, but you're tied for first in the NFC North at 8-3 and three with the Minnesota Vikings. You're looking up in terms of uh, the rest of the NFC. You're looking up at the Niners at 10-1, and one, the Saints at 9-2, and two, the Seahawks also at 9-2. and two. The Vikings play the Seahawks this week on Monday Night Football, so somebody is going to take another loss there. But with what happened on Monday Night Football with the Los Angeles Rams picking up their fifth loss as the Baltimore Ravens continue to just steamroll the league right now, um, and we could do a whole show on the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson with what that uh, with what that outfit is doing. But where I'm going with this, Wes, is that it – and I don't like to say, hey, this is all set in stone. We've got it all figured out with five games to go. But you look at where things are in the NFC, and it kind of looks like you already know really where the two wild cards are going to come from yeah. and how and how this is going to shake out. And I mentioned this to you yesterday when we were talking off camera. There's a very good chance here that in the NFC North with the Packers and the Vikings, barring some crazy slump or you know by either team. That we're looking at the winner of the NFC North is going to be the three seed, and yeah. the runner-up in the NFC North is going to be the six seed, which essentially means that the game in Minneapolis in Week 16 very well could simply determine the location of the wild card game because the Packers and Vikings very well could meet again as that three-six matchup, and the winner gets to host it and the loser will be the team on the road. It kind of looks like that's where this all is pointing, even even to say that with five games left. As it stands, yes, it is going to be really interesting to see how San Francisco and New Orleans kind of meander through this month of December because they both have difficult matchups still on the schedule, and they have some teams within their own divisions that are going to play each of them tough. Yeah. That being said, if you look at the way that things have kind of you know laid out here, it's actually kind of interesting, Mike. In my time with the Packers, the Packers have been playing from behind. Uh, they played from behind in 14, or 16, I should say, with the run the table being at 4 and 6. Right. Um, it really was the last time going back to 2014 where they've been in a position like this where their work's kind of cut out for them. They've positioned themselves to be a playoff team, and now you're trying to climb the seeding chart. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. And I said this on the radio, the pregame radio. I know I said this to you last week. I may be one of the only people that remembers just based on how the last two and a half years have played out, but Aaron Rodgers standing in that po- that podium at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and talking about the importance of playing playoff games at home because they've had to play on the road a lot since the NFC Championship game in 2014. Yeah. Ever since then, it's been a grind. This is the opportunity. And, and the unique thing about it is where San Francisco got a big win, I think if you're looking at the overall lot of things here – 
Green Bay has a much better schedule heading into a potential playoff run than what San Francisco is going to have to deal with and how competitive those games are going to be. So that depends on perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Is that conditioning yourself or is that wearing yourself down? We'll find out in January. But be that as it may, the Packers, and TJ Lang tweeted this um, yesterday too, I believe, or two days ago, Packers could very easily be 13-3 and and 12-4. and If you work for it, if you do what you need to do, uh, that's why going back to your original point of this entire question, that Week 16 matchup, Packers are still looking for that win at U.S. Bank Stadium. What yeah. better way to make a statement about what this team could potentially accomplish in January and maybe into February than finally being able to take out the Vikings at home Yeah, to win a division title? That, that's where my eyes are right now. But in order to be even in that conversation, right. the Giants, Washington, Chicago, teams that have had real difficulties this year, that have had to work through some stuff, have seen changes across the board, you have to be able to put those teams away. Yeah, absolutely. The Packers have to take care of business. And certainly with two of those three, as you mentioned, Washington and Chicago both being at Lambeau Field, the Packers will be this weekend at the Giants. The Packers will be wrapping up this stretch of four road games in a stretch of five games over the course of six weeks with the bye week mixed in between. Then you're going to come back home and you have back-to-back home games against teams that are looking up at you record-wise, looking up at you in the standings. So yes, I mean, all eyes are on that week 16, two nights before Christmas, Monday night football at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. But the Packers have to put themselves in position to where that game means what they want it and need it to mean. And that's what these next three weeks are all about. Yeah. And and two things I want to say. First thing is we have to see where this injury this week takes with the Giants. Because if Evan Ingram plays, uh, if Rhett Ellison plays, those are their top two tight ends. That's those are those are safety valves for Daniel Jones, and that's also a position where the Packers have had struggles. I was say defend. you can bet Daniel Jones wants Evan Ingram, his top yeah. tight end, out there against the Packers with the way the Packers' defense has struggled against tight ends. The way concussion protocols go, we'll see. I saw the play with with Golden Tate. We'll see how that goes. But yeah. I mean, certainly if he if he would happen to get cleared, that's a big weapon that has a lot of experience against Green Bay. So. All those things have to get chalked up and accounted for. What I want to point to you, though, is I, I was trying to think of this, and I was this was actually yesterday I was thinking about this, but I had neither the time nor inclination to actually want to look this up. <laughs> I don't remember a year like this, in the NFC at least. The AFC, maybe it's happened because of the overall dominance at the top of that, that conference, but we're going into the month of December. You really did have six clear-cut teams Yeah. Uh, where you have at the very top Green Bay, San Francisco, Seattle, and then New Orleans. Minnesota has played catch-up and is back in this thing, and then whoever wins the NFC East. It, and that's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, if the Rams win, as you said yesterday, the Rams win that to, game, it to, changes. But right. To me, that, that was that was the thing going into last night. If the Rams would have been able to beat the Ravens and get to 7-4, and four, then you're looking at another team that's right on the heels right. of – that last wild card spot, which right now that last wild card spot is whoever finishes second in the NFC North based on where the records are. But with the Rams picking up their fifth loss, you have the teams in the NFC East. It doesn't it doesn't look like the runner up in the NFC East is really going to be in a position to get a wild card. It would spot. be like a run the table type and scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Happen. But the problem is the the Cowboys and the Eagles both play have to other. play each other. Yeah. So there's going to be another loss no matter no matter which team potentially runs the table well the one the one that runs the table is uh, is going to win the division and and be handing a loss to the other one so um i agree with you i can't remember i can't remember 
any year that I've been doing this where we're sitting here talking the week of Thanksgiving and looking at the NFC picture going, you know, we can we can be pretty darn sure who the six teams yeah. are going to be in the playoffs. Now, we don't know one through six exactly how that's going to shake out with the exception of the fact that it sure looks like the champion of the NFC East is going to be the four. And it certainly looks like the runner-up in the NFC West is going to be the five. Yeah. And that's why I say, that, you know, with that, the with the four and the five kind of already figured out in terms of where they're coming from, that's why it looks to me like in the NFC North, the champion's going to be the three and the runner-up is going to be the six. So winning the division gets you the home game for the rematch is, is kind of where this is headed. Now, obviously, things can change, but it, it does have a different feel to it that here we are with five games to go. And we're not looking at this whole list of teams in the NFC saying, oh, well, they're only one game back or they're tied yeah. with those guys. Or everybody, everybody is at least two games or more behind the NFC North runner-up, which is essentially in the sixth spot right, right now. Yeah, and this is why this month of December is going to be fascinating because you look at the NFC West right now, there is a scenario where those two teams, Seattle and San Francisco, could win this thing out, play each other in week 17 for that division championship and the number one by the by overall you know home field advantage throughout the playoffs and there's a scenario where san francisco could lose that game be 14 and 2 and be the wild card yeah i mean that would be something well and that and that would be if if that plays out that would be reminiscent in some senses of 2014 yeah not exactly the same, but when the Lions came to Lambeau Field in the finale in 2014, the winner was winning the North and getting a bye and getting the two seed, and the loser was going to be a wild card team and going on yeah. the road the very next the very next week. And the Packers ended up winning that game. The Lions went down to Dallas and lost. Dallas came to Green Bay and lost, and then that's what sent the Packers to Seattle. But you're right. The way it's shaping up this year, that Week 17 could be for the difference between the one seed yeah. and the five seed. I mean, you talk about you talk about the highest of uh, the highest of stakes, and then and then the loser, the loser having to go on the road immediately um, after putting everything they would have into trying to win that week 17 game it it, it that that's that's the intrigue here yeah. in terms of how this will play out in the nfc i don't think it's necessarily a question of who's going to get in again barring one of these six teams that we're talking about going into just a, a major slump which i don't see happening based on uh, the way things look right now it's not about who's getting in it's about where they're going to be slotted it is funny though as much as we make and then certainly the san francisco 49ers won that game sunday night but as much as we make about you know the outcome of that that really was kind of a must-win game for the 49ers because you look at it now you travel to baltimore you travel to new orleans and you host atlanta who came back down to earth and you host the rams who are struggling yeah then you got to go to seattle and you have to go to Seattle. that is a heck of a way to finish a month especially when you consider the fact they have not had a bye since week four well it's interesting i'll say this i i definitely sense that when you know we were only out in san francisco out on the west coast for one night but just catching things on the local news, looking at stuff online, this whole narrative out there was, you know, okay, this three-game gauntlet that the Niners have, they have to play the Packers, then they have to go on the road to Baltimore, and then they have to go on the road to um, um, New Orleans. This three-game gauntlet, it's like, oh, you know, the 49ers really have to prove themselves. I think th- I think they started to internalize all that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they came out, obviously, and made a statement against the Packers, and uh, and now they're going on to this two game road swing to to Baltimore, New Orleans, with uh, 
with all kinds of confidence and they're saying, yeah, we are out to prove something like here we come. So um, I'll be curious to see now just where the 49ers go with these tough road matches. That game Sunday is going to, that's why I was actually interested that they flex the Green Bay game because that, that San Francisco Baltimore game is going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think it's going to be going on at the same time as Packers yeah, Giants. It's, it's in, a noon it's game. In the, it's a noon game. Yeah, here, and so. it's uh, if you look at it, the way it breaks down is you basically got two defenses. We'll talk about it later in the week, but you got two defenses that are very similar and two offenses that succeed in different ways. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see where it goes. So. Football's fun. That's yeah. what I was saying. Football is a, is a fun game. It's a fun game to cover. <laughs> and it is a fun time of year to follow <laughs> all of the stuff that's going on. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com and subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. Check out the Packers YouTube channel, all kinds of great video content out there for you. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.